Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. I feel like I'm under mo- overmodulated. I was thinking about what episode this was. Thank, thank you again, Bruce Perky, co-host, chairman of the board, Bruce Perky. He actually put on our Google Doc, it's episode 120. He just put 120 space cha-cha. Eric Holmes, aka Jurassic Perk, thank you for taking Bruce Perky's moniker. Eric Holmes, are you a fan of the da- of the dance called the cha cha? Have you ever tried it? Is that I'm not even sure what dance that is. That's just kind of you not have yeah, dance like very just- good. You have rhythm. I like that. There was some rhythm back and forth. I can't do that. I am a Bruce Perky cha cha. You very good by the way, Eric Holmes. Are you good with the cha cha? Are you real smooth? Are you a cha cha real smooth kind of kind of fella on the floor? I do not cha cha, but I can nacho nacho like with the best <laughs> of them. I, and, and because of my jokes, I am nacho with a ton of cheese. Okay. So thankfully, Bruce and I are, are of the sedentary sort, while Eric showed he actually had some moves. Very good. If you check out our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, you're going to see Eric do a little bit of the cha-cha. The reason why we mentioned that is cha-cha real smooth, written and directed by Cooper Rafe, is one of the, I think, bazillion films we're covering this week. It is one of these things where I'm, I'm looking at our Google Doc right now and my head is swimming with how many films we have covered every single week, by the way. I tell Bruce Perky, look, Bruce, we got a couple of new movies coming in. I got it because I have to cover it or something, but you don't have to cover it so we can leave it off the show because listeners, we, I love you. I love you guys, but I want the shows to be like maybe 10 minutes. But then Bruce ends up watching about 10 or nine movies, nine or 10 movies a week. Bruce, do, why do you want to do your job every week and, and actually complete every single task that comes your way vis a vis the witch and the witch to the other one? Why, why do you do the extra credit have you always been that kind of guy huh you had the witch you had the witch two for this week i had not seen the witch one so i had to see the witch one so i could see the witch two and then i had to watch (laughs) the book of henry twice so (laughs) i mean you know that's that's all i am disappointed in you though bruce because you have not seen rrr for the third time because you what did you not have a three-hour space you wanted to murder in the timeline of your life or or are you gonna do it next when's the next time you're gonna just take away three hours of your life with rrr again i don't know i mean i could just pop it in any time and any place in that movie and do the nacho nacho which is a dance in rrr i will have you know a nice reference yes Uh, yes bruce perky he did show the nacho nacho dance to me and also members of our cinematics facebook group by the way if you if you'd like to you could join our cinematics facebook group it is very chalk filled with very interesting cinephiles some of whom have purchased our merch eric holmes by the way eric holmes by last week on our on our zoom call eric holmes was just a i don't know he was just a you couldn't see his face He, he was just a logo he was just a find your film logo so basically he was completely analog last week eric why did you decide to do your version of extra credit and not only do we get to see your beautiful face and body we get to see the backdrop backdrop of our find your film logo how did you do that you just um i did this on accident when uh my camera broke <laughs> because they just put up something and then uh when you gave us the zoom link today and it came up i'm like oh that's on there so that's the thing I can do. All right. <laughs> Fair. Speaking of things you can do, Eric Holmes, he was actually, he, he did not want us to mention this. Eric Holmes is actually taking part in this big cryptocurrency operation. What's going on with that? Bruce and I have been so against this whole crypto thing. It's this whole market's falling down. Eric, me and Bruce, we've been telling you for the last year. And what's going on with crypto? What are you doing, man? Um, I don't know. It's uh, the, just doing the thing with Bailey. We're basically just uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say. It's it's kind of like uh, making gifs. Like she, so she writes all NFT, right? Much. Yeah, I think I think so. 
but uh, she's she makes this poetry, and then we just visualize it. We've done we've done a couple of those before, well, two of them, and then we're, she's in town right now, and then we're gonna shoot a couple more. The visual things were like like little two minute things to go along with the poetry, and the stuff we're doing now is more like these GIF things. And she's a lot smarter about that stuff than I am. I'm just kind of yeah. like, where do I point the camera? Cool. Yes. <laughs> Let's get me. In all seriousness, I was, I've been the crypto homer for the past year and I've been calling Eric and Bruce on the horn asking for some handouts. Please spare me a dollar, Bruce. I need to eat this hot dog. I don't have any more money left. All of my coins have vanished into the sky. Bruce, do you think the fact that I have zero dollars in my bank account is, is a good thing? I can concentrate on, on more cinema as opposed to cryptocurrency. Is that a good karmic thing for me? Uh, yes, I think it is a good karmic thing for you, but I don't think you should be spending it on cinema. I think. Hmm. What should he spend his money on? What do you think, Eric? Oh, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. You, don't tell me the find your film podcast.com merch. I, <laughs> that's oh, what yeah. I was thinking. There is a new cart on there. I think you need to buy the cart. <laughs> this, this <laughs> Eric Holmes, did you add a shopping cart on our find your film podcast.com merch site, which you can get, by the way, t-shirts uh-uh. and mugs. And by the way, Eric is actually having a glassware right now. He's drinking some, I believe, apple cider. It's very nice. I like apple cider myself. Very good. Find your film. Yes. A- any new items on, on the on the site? There's that hell. Ra- what is that? I'm not going to say Hellraiser, but there's a new it's Bruce, a, Bruce it's a Bruce's uh, box shirt. <laughs> Bruce's box shirt. Uh, it's uh, Bruce's the, the hell, pinhead Hellraiser. Which has um, been purchased by one person, at least. Yeah. You're kidding. You're kidding me, right? No. Oh my goodness! Someone actually purchased that shirt, Bruce. When are you? When is it coming in the mail? When is it coming to your house? <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> that is amazing. Someone has actually purchased the Bruce Perky shirt. Perhaps if you listen to middle class film class, uh, you'll find out. Speaking of middle class film class, this is the reason why Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, since the inception, probably realized their buddy Greg Srizavasti, who actually names himself, talks to himself in the third person, does not is not a team player. He decided today. I decided one today to buy some merch from the middle class film class merch site. I got a really beautiful black mug. Bruce and Eric, have you purchased merch from the middle class film class guys as of yet? Yes, I got the I got the uh, a pink T shirt in a mm. glass. I think next week because uh, I saw they had that halter top hoodie. Mm. I think I'm going to do that so I can show off my lovely lady curves. Okay. And I I got this. This came in last week, but I wasn't able to show you because my camera wasn't working. But now you can see it. Oh, oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh, that's Nosferatu. I saw it. Wake yeah. your walk, walk the walk. cinema. Walk the cinema. Oh, walk yeah. the cinema. Yes, another another good uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you should check it out. You, they walk you, the cinema so they can talk the cinema. And actually, uh, Peter Beto was on that as well. Okay, uh, were you on a it? week or two ago? Were you on not, it? Not, not, yet. not I, yet. I recorded an episode, but it'll probably come out. I, I think they did like a whole bunch in like in like one week, and mine was one of the last ones. So okay, has Pete's episode aired as of yet with Walk the Cinema? Have you seen it, mm-hmm. or is it coming down the road? No, it, it came out a week or two ago, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We talked about Annihilation. Oh, Annihilation. And Bruce, you, are you on a merch? Are, are your uh, assets frozen regarding buying more merch? You were mentioning on our Facebook group that the, the real boss in the house told you, no, no, stop. Are no you- podcast <laughs> merchandise for the near future or I'm in trouble. Have you been ble- Have you been hemorrhaging with your, your podcast merch purchases? I might have to hide it. I'll have like, <laughs> it'll be like people hiding like their booze around the house. It'll be like, <laughs> 
what's this what's this middle class film class mug doing in underneath the couch it's like i don't know where it came from and i apologize to eric and bruce i still have yet to buy my mom has been clamoring she says tell eric it does eric does eric have the hoodie or does he have the shirt i want to get the extra large shirt and so my mom's going to purchase an extra large shirt for me and i'm also going to get a mug from our for um, from our find your film podcast merch site so check that out find your film podcast.com and middle class film class as well have a link to that a lot of interesting stuff regarding merch but remember it's not it merch is nothing the main star are movies and we have a lot of movies to cover and you can see some of our extra coverage on our website findyourfilms.com there are something there are a couple things i'm i was going to mention i'm forgetting eric or bruce do you want to mention something before we dive in to any of our big features this week oh no, I think no. I'm good. You're you're good. Are you good? I, I, I think so. Am I am I forgetting something? I don't know. I think we're we're probably not forgetting something. I was going to think of things to say, and again, I apologize, Bruce and Eric. I just recorded my episode with Anderson Cowan for the latest episode of Cinematics, and I said some bad things to, about both of you behind your back. I really oh. apologize for that. For but being, oh, with, oh, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> you, do you we know you don't mean it. Okay, Bruce, do you forgive me on the, on on saying I'm hurling these uh, at you? I'm just disappointed in your behind the back talking abilities because by doing that on a microphone in something that's going to be public, it's <laughs> kind of ineffective. So speaking of get, get you know perfect that work on that. Speaking of speaking of something, I, I'm actually going to bring this in. This is a segment that'll probably last one episode, meaning this episode and it'll be finished. But I wanted to actually do a an opening this week because one of the things we're going to start covering more on Find Your Film is our uh, physical media, physical media and stuff on digital. I received this package from MVD Entertainment. Entertainment, MVD Entertainment. They handle a lot of the Aero titles. You're going to hear a little bit. Maybe this is a kind of cool. Look, you see, you hear the opening. That's some sound effects that I don't have to actually Ooh. actually put I hope on. It's not Anthrax. And no, it's not. It, it hit them very good, <laughs> Eric. Hopefully, it's not. I should open that before we start recording. <laughs> Okay, you know, if if you don't hear from me, just blank, make sure you produce the rest of the show, Eric Holmes, please. Uh, okay, let's see what I got. I received check disc of several movies. Maybe Bruce and Eric have heard of any of these movies. Let's see, they're both very knowledgeable. First Blu-ray check disc I received from Arrow Films, aka MVD Entertainment, via them, is Hell High. H-E-L-L High. Ever heard of that? Nope. Okay. There is a movie on Blu-ray that I received called The Righteous. Have any of you guys heard of this movie from Arrow <laughs> Films called The Righteous? Might, the Righteous. Might have heard of that uh, one. Kind of rings a slight bell. Okay. Well, Eric and Bruce, the only real people who do real work on this podcast, they will be covering The Righteous momentarily on this episode. How about this movie called Flatliners? Ever heard of this movie? Flatliners? Yeah. Wait, which Flatliners. one? Which, which one? one? The good one. The recent one. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm assuming... I'm assuming this has to be the Joel rest in peace. Uh, this, this might be the Joel Schumacher film. So yeah. that, I don't know, that I, one's good. Look, Eric Holmes, you don't have to tell me. I don't. You don't have to tell me or the audience that Flatliners is good, directed by Joel Schumacher. Because yeah. what, what are your opinions of DC Cab again, Eric Holmes? They're pretty high. Pretty high. <laughs> who who directed DC Cab? I believe that was Joel Schumacher. Okay, and he's one of the greatest living directors. Well, uh, he used to be one of the greatest living directors. Now he's just one of the greatest directors ever because he because. did a movie starring Bill Maher 
and it was still good. What was the movie? That's got to count for something. <laughs> what was that movie with with Bill Maher? What was it, was it called? It was DC Cab. It was DC. I didn't know DC Cab. Okay. Yeah, and Bill what? Maher's in it for very little, but and know. Eric Holmes. What is the song from DC Cab that gets you pumped up or or makes you tear up or makes you feel like a real? Oh, what can can you just plug that song that and why why you love it so much? Well, I really want to sing it, but uh, <laughs> it'll just get you, you know. <laughs> Bruce, can, can this, you put a uh, handle on that, Bruce? Tell him to stop. Stop right I don't now. Know. It's giving me, oh, what a feeling. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Eric, what is that song again? It's uh, The Dream by Irene Cara. Yes. Oh, that, yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up. I was on the YouTube and there was a uh, Irene Cara documentary on it. It was like split up into five parts. Third part's gone and the documentary overall just isn't that good, but <laughs> it's good to hear. Like, I uh, just uh, listened to some stuff about Irene Cara. I went down a huge Irene Cara rabbit hole this week and okay. then I listened to The Dream on repeat like all day. <laughs> that song's so good. In fairness to me, just uh, taking you to task for loving Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher is always, when he was alive, when he was doing films, he was always great with us during the interviews. And I think he is a very underrated filmmaker. Heck, I even like Trespass. I don't know whether to cut that or not from the podcast, but rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Of course. Bruce, I know what your favorite Joel Schumacher film is. You know what it is, Bruce? What is it, Tell Bruce? me. What is it? I'm going to tell, tell you. Me. <laughs> your favorite Joel Schumacher film is not DC Cab. Falling Down. Boom. Falling down. That's probably pretty close. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I, I, I can't argue with that on, on that. That's that's a good one. What and and uh, Eric's DC cab. I think mine is a film called Cousins, a film that I need to. I, I saw over thirty years ago. I need to rewatch that. I remember really loving the film. By the way, Eric Holmes. He says he's a Joel Schumacher fan, but wait, he still hasn't seen Cousins. So it would be interesting. No, to see. there's like there's like twenty movies that he did like later on in his career. I had no idea that even existed. Hey, Bruce, you know it's another movie that Eric Holmes likes from Joel Schumacher? I'm just putting words in his mouth right now, just like I put words in your mouth a couple seconds ago. You know what what else Eric Holmes likes from Schumacher? What You know what it is? Does it have bat nipples in it? That's all I want to know. Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm not going to say – I'm not going to cast aspersions to Batman and Robin. By the way, listeners, Eric Holmes is a ardent fan of that installment. By it, Greatest Batman movie that ever came out. Is that an unironic statement, Eric Holmes? Is that unironic? Yeah, I think so. Oh my it's, god, it, it, that movie's pretty hilarious. Oh, hilarious in a good fashion. Yeah. In, intentionally, did did Joel Schumacher I, I, make I, that movie to be? No one, no one makes Batman and Robin like this is this is the serious business here. That they they knew they were making a comedy, and within the serious business, the serious confines of the way Batman films are filmed these days. Do you think that's a breath of fresh air for something like Batman and Robin? I would say so. And it's certainly, look, hate Batman and Robin all you want. It's, I mean, I saw the Batman, the Matt Reeves one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut this right here. Yes. What'd you say? <laughs> oh, oh, you're, are you I mean, it, if you head. like that, it, look, if you, if you like the Batman better than Batman and Robin, that's, you know, you can do that. Everyone's got their, everyone's got their own thoughts on things, but, uh, you know, what, what's the, what's the real answer, Eric? What's if, the real if, answer? If Batman and Robin's having a party. <laughs> and the Batman's having a party. I'm going to the Batman and Robin party. Which party are you going to, it's Bruce? It's going to be colorful. There's going to be drinks and drugs. <laughs> the Batman party is just going to be a bunch of people going, and then it's just, yeah, this is boring. I just, go, hey, it was nice seeing you. I got the kids. I got to go. <laughs> what? Which party are you going to, Bruce? The Batman well, or Batman and Robin? One of the parties has Uma Thurman. So I think that that decision right. has been made for me already. Very good, very very good. Every our our buddies are are sticking up for each other, and I I have a feeling that Eric Holmes. I forgot to listen to that entire episode that you have with your brother Stephen, 
regarding Schumacher, but I'm assuming Tigerland is another movie that you really love as well. No. See, I Steve like that. I, was I, I I didn't really care for it too much. Oh my goodness. Wow. It was just the, the the well, we we talk about it in there why, but it was uh very low stakes for me. This it is why I love Eric Holmes so much, Bruce. One of these days when you become your own uh, perky scissor hands, perky hands, you you need to you know what you need to do the first thing you need to do within within our Find Your Film universe and put it on findyourfilm.com and and put it on a shopping cart for Find Your Film podcast.com is you need to do a supercut of films that Eric Holmes champions that no one else in the world loves. <laughs> like Batman and Robin, The Scary of 61st, there all of know. these different you no know, and what that, I'm saying is there will yes, yeah, exactly. See how he pushed back? And then once you have that supercut, you release it, you're going to find a whole new bunch of cinephiles who will take up for Eric Holmes' stand on and this. Again, Very again, interesting. We're, we're going on a party with, uh, uh, let's see, Don't Look Up, <laughs> Scary of 61st, Batman and Robin. And in this other party, you have The, the Power of the Dog. The Power of the Dog. The, I, I didn't hate Power of the okay. Dog. I'm, I'm going with movies that like I didn't like. So The Batman. Uh, I don't hate The Godfather, but that's kind of... Drive my car, a little bit boring. No, uh, drive my car was all right. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of some like really high, like highly rated movies that are kind of like, why do people like this? I, it's kind of boring. Basically, at the end of the day, the party with all my stupid movies that everyone hates. That's going to be a fun party to go to. What What is that movie, Bruce? That you also you did not love as much as Eric. My heart can't beat unless you what is that? Is unless you tell it to. Yes, you still. I, I don't think anyone hates that. I just think people haven't really watched it. Yeah, have you come across people who love that movie just as much as you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, very yeah. good, very good. Yeah, the the scary sixty first people watch that and they're like, ugh. Which I <laughs> that's get true. It. That's true. <laughs> Bruce, is it- that, that the scary sixty first will be the 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 movie at the party that's like uh, they're they're the ones like doing coke in the bathroom. Yeah, like you go in there, it's like, dude, I got to pee. And then they come out and it's like, oh, it's you. And then you got to like spray everything down. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, do you still have confidence in me that on my off day, I'm going to watch this carrier 61st and I'm going to really love it? Do you still have faith in me as a human being that I'm going to actually love that movie? Not only do I have faith, I have a bright, shiny quarter. (laughs) We still have. I don't know if it was for Scary 61st, but I remember I had a quarter that you'd like some movie. Yes. So. I, I am going to pull if the you Rod- like a movie. I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> Eric Eric Holmes and I have been actually I've been planning this for the entire week, Bruce Perky. And I'm sorry, listeners, you're going to hit us after this, but me and Eric, we've decided to actually talk about random things for about an hour and a half and tell Bruce. Oh, you know, by why, by the way, neither me or Eric saw any of those five movies we're covering. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to close right now and scenes. It's just Eric for Bruce. <laughs> Final <laughs> thoughts? Okay. <laughs> See ya. Final thoughts is they seem good. Let's hear what Bruce has to say about them. See you guys. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer. I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My my trans you have no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bruce, I'm gonna let you do the honors. We have five movies: Cha Cha, Real Smooth, Abandoned, Righteous, The Witch Two, the other one, and Spiderhead. Which one do you want on the? On the wheel of fortune or misfortune, which one should we cover first? Uh, I say we begin with A, and that would be abandoned. Let's do abandoned. 
Okay, a band it centers on this woman. Her name is Emma Roberts, and I want you, to listeners, to understand this. I'm going to interview one of the actors, John Gallagher Jr. This week, really love him as an actor. Eric, what is one of your favorite John Gallagher Jr. performances from what project do you love him from? Oh, let's see, we got Newsroom, we got Ten Cloverfield Lane. What fuck? Yeah. What a, I, I just had a bunch of them, but he's like one of those guys that's like, oh yeah, he is in that. Yeah, he's really good in that. He can be a lead actor, and he can be a Sorry, Eric, he can be a character actor. Do you agree? He's just diverse. Yeah, he just kind of fits in. He just kind of slides into everything he does. And yeah. uh, he's usually pretty good. He's good in this movie as well. Okay, John Gallagher, he's the husband of the aforementioned woman. Just woman. And they're, they're a couple, married couple. They And she, the woman, she, she seems to have, um, played by Emma Roberts, she seems to, well, in a weird way, she wears the pants of the family because she makes the final decision to actually purchase a house out in the middle of the country. The problem with this house, even though it is beautiful and it's spacious, it is haunted. Not only is it haunted, your next door neighbor is Michael Shannon doing his creepiest, one of his creepiest performances ever committed to cinema. So why would you want to buy a farmhouse with, with Michael Shannon just popping up everywhere as your neighbor? It would be very creepy. That is the premise of a band. And the problem is when they purchase this, this house, this is what's interesting is John Gallagher, John Gallagher Jr.'s character. He decides to actually leave the narrative for us for parts of the movie for parts of the story because he is a vet and he wants to do all these farming farming jobs like an hour away so a lot of this movie deals with emma roberts and trying to bond with her newborn baby amidst this haunted house abandoned is probably referring to how emma roberts as the mother feels being abandoned by her husband or maybe it might be the actual newborn baby maybe the newborn baby feels abandoned because the mother is not really bonding very well. So in many ways, it's a mother and child kind of film wrapped within the milieu of a horror story and amidst the scariness of Michael Shannon's friggin' eyes. What about the boy? What happened to him? He was ignored. Blamed for the mother's death. You were close to him. Why isn't he in any of the reports? I've seen them both now. Anna and Robert. I don't believe in that kind of thing. That is my that is a plot synopsis. Let's start off with Bruce Porky regarding abandoned. Is do you abandon this movie, Bruce, or are there some little nuggets that maybe some people might like? I'm trying to think. I think that if you want to enjoy this movie, it's probably best to create a drinking game with this movie. I would probably drink every time you get a trope. I think that would be really fun. We could start with, well, if you've seen Amityville Horror, you'll get several of them. You know, flies appearing. It's a good one. Baby crying. Well, you'll be drunk if you do the baby crying thing in this movie. That's for sure. Locked doors, mysterious locked doors. My favorite part was like early on, uh, they're getting the, the, the tour by the real estate agent. And it's like, why is this so cheap? Why is this house so cheap? And she's like, oh, you know, something happened here. Well, whatever, you know, they're like, well, what happened? It's like, eh, there might have been a murder. Eventually she's like, okay, here you go. Here's an envelope with all the crime scene murdered photos. It's like, okay, do they give those? Out? I mean, I don't have to 
they have to disclose that something happened here. Do they have to give out crime scene photos? I guess they do. I don't know. Yeah, this movie is pretty terrible. Uh, all the actors try, uh, which is fine. And they do well. I mean, I like all the actors in here, too. I would say there is one genuinely pretty good scene where it's just Michael Shannon's character and Emma Roberts' character sitting on a couch. And they're having a conversation. And it's it's pretty cool. And if more of that would have happened and less baby crying in peril like she is a terrible mom too she leaves the baby just on a bed alone while she goes wandering off looking for spooky things or on the top of the staircase i mean you know it's no this movie's not good (laughs) it's not good do you think this movie was trying to say things meaning it's a movie about mental health or being a mother do you think it it tried to reach you know it 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 really didn't uh, nail it. They were trying to reach for something that they just couldn't get to. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I, I feel like they were trying to do those things, but I feel like it's just halfway everywhere. It's not. It's halfway a horror movie. It's halfway an emotional catharsis for a, a mom who's going through postpartum depression, I guess. Or it's a lot of those things, but it doesn't really... This is like Hereditary does things with emotional stuff and scary stuff and does them both, I think, really well. This does neither really well, but it's it, it's not the same story, but it's kind of trying to do two things at once in the same sort of way, and I, it doesn't it doesn't hit it. Eric Holmes, the movie is directed by Spencer Squire. Do you have any idea how Spencer Squire got Michael Shannon onto on board? Abandoned. Do you have any guesses? Yeah, I have a really good guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Squire acted in the uh, the Rolling movie the. Heart of Champions. Yeah, was, there you go. That Heart was of one Champions. of Bruce Perky's Bruce Perky's <laughs> no. fa- favorite movies. Was that one of your? Is that did that make your top three, Bruce? Heart of I Champions. I love that movie so much. It's so good. It makes you want to go stand outside in the snow movie. and like. <laughs> makes you. That does not sound convincing from Bruce Perky, but yes, very good research, Eric Holmes. Look, Bruce laid down the law regarding abandon. He basically abandoned this movie. Do you? concur with Bruce regarding his assessment of the film. Yeah, pretty much for the most part. There's a lot to not like about this one. The you were mentioning about like was it trying to say something? And it it certainly was trying to say something about like uh, parenting or would whatever. But I get the sense that <laughs> whatever's a big topic. Whatever's a big topic to cover. Yeah, you're right. I I, I get the sense that they didn't quite understand It'd be like if I wrote a movie about running an ice cream shop. I've never worked at an ice cream shop. I don't eat ice cream, so I've never really been to an ice cream shop. Probably wouldn't make much sense for me to write with authority on an ice cream shop. Because anyone that has been to an ice cream shop once would go, man, Eric's uh, story here doesn't make any fucking sense. The way the, uh, the way the mom, you know, neglects her baby to like just almost comical lengths <laughs> right <laughs> you don't you don't leave a newborn baby on top of a bed just period because what do babies do they roll off of beds and you can put them on a bed you don't leave them unattended because they'll roll off and i mean that they had that they had that little candle at the end that the baby was going for that's not even the most dangerous part the baby's not nope. going to make it to the candle the baby's <laughs> nope. going to crawl right off the bed and break its head or neck and then dead baby uh baby's you know Oh my well, god! The the amount of times the baby's crying in this holy fucking shit that that gave me PTSD. The yeah. for rebuttal regarding the the baby though, what if I said okay? So Sarah, that's the the name of the mother played by Emma Roberts. She the reason why she does that is because because of the mental health. Maybe she's seeing things from the past pop up in the windows and 
is that not a good rebuttal or how no, because okay. there was a bunch of stuff like with uh there was like a, the therapist guy so i'm here to talk to you about blah 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 child services going in and like with all the stuff that she does and that she's that she's in trouble for they take that baby right away they don't sit there and it's like come in this dark room so i may have a uh private conversation with you about your mothering <laughs> that's not gonna happen like everything in this is way too convenient for the it, it, it services the plot not the characters or the situation they're in they're like let's uh you know what uh, like bruce said with the with the uh the pictures let's have the real estate agent with a bunch of uh, crime scene photos why well because they got to show the people but real estate agents wouldn't have that yeah but they will now that this, that's a, that that pitch meeting, those pitch meeting videos. Did you, you watch that with uh, Ryan George? This movie is ripe for one of those because there's just a bunch of stuff in this that doesn't make sense. The ending doesn't make sense to me. I'm trying to piece together the ending. No, no, because she. Okay, I guess we can't. Oh, if it makes, but it makes sense for you. It it made sense to you as far as. No, it didn't make sense to me at all. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, the 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 thing that happens at the end, I won't give it away. You're not going to figure it out because once you see it, you're like, there's no way in hell that happens. Um, But there's a there's a character reacts to another character in a way that you're like, no, no. People are people, not only is that child being taken away, people are going to jail. And the, this, it feels like it was either written by someone that doesn't understand family dynamics and how that works, or it was written really well. And when it was being directed, they were changing scenes going, ah, yeah, but we need the, we need the, this to happen. So we're going to have to change that. I, I don't know which one it is because I wasn't working on this movie, but yeah, this thing's broken like everywhere. Did yeah. anyone else think that the dad also, the, the husband was going to become like a vet serial killer? Because what the fuck? He was like dismembering, uh, this is not a spoiler either. He's just remembering like pig carcasses and using the thing that was in uh, No Country for Old Men. And he's like dissolving the body parts and the bones. I was like, what the hell is he doing? I, I yeah, didn't want to bring I didn't want to bring up one thing, though, because I, I was thinking this while watching it. It feels like one of those Conjuring movies. Yeah. And I've seen like parts of them. I'm not a fan of those kind of like the if it looks like there's a lot of blue and black and, uh, you know, a bunch of a. Like the fucking jump scare noises, I'm I'm just like okay, let's let's get. But I wonder if someone, I wonder how this compares to those Conjuring movies because I don't like the Conjuring movies, and that's not to say if you like the Conjuring movies, maybe you like it. Bandit, I'd be curious to see what someone that does like those Conjuring movies thinks of this one. Yeah. Because it, it seems like it seems like they're kind of on the same level, but maybe not. Maybe. I think the that, bad thing, yeah, the bad thing for me for abandoned is I kind of, in a weird way, I liked it more than both of you in the sense that there are interesting elements that if they were just put together a certain way, I just you could have made a really interesting movie, but oh my goodness, it's just so. You mentioned broken, Eric. I feel like this movie is really broken. I hate to say it. I like John Gallagher Jr. I really enjoyed Emma Roberts. They, they're doing their best, like you said, Eric, with, with their performances. And we can't find fault with the actors involved. Michael Shannon, look, he has one of these cameo roles. You ha- if you have Michael Shannon for three to five days or something on your production, you better darn well use Michael Shannon to the best of your abilities. I think he was not used to the best of his abil- abilities. I, I for disagree Bandit. there. I, oh, I you think, think it was. I think it was. I just, I, I think this movie comes down to the foundation of the movie 
either the script or the script was uh, mm. either the script was terrible or it was okay and then not treated well. There, there's something there. It, it was, it was something in shooting this or the the pre production stuff that needed to cook a little longer. Yeah. I just, you know, if it was just a normal bad movie, we would probably just <laughs> roll this over and go into the next film. We've spent a lot of movies, a lot of time, minutes talking about Abandoned. And that's because there are, I, I always think about what could have been. But um, anyways, final rating for you, Bruce, regarding Abandoned. I'll give it two for the good elements. Two stars. Two stars from Bruce Berkey. Again, it's in theaters June 17th, and it's on digital and on demand June 24th. Eric Holmes, your rating of Abandoned. I'm, I'm probably half star on this because um, oh. I, <laughs> wow. I, I didn't I didn't like it. And it's you, also kind of that. It's also kind of that. Um, uh oh. Uh, Are we getting bad Eric Holmes this week? Are we getting the the bad Eric Holmes? Remember? No. Th- this 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 <laughs> movie wasn't in my wheelhouse to begin with, and it was a bad version of a movie that's already not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. Half, but, star, half star, star from Eric Holmes. But again, oh, right? I'm I'm real curious. Like, uh, I want to see what someone that likes movies like The Conjuring or Insidious think about this, because maybe they like this a lot better than I do. But this this is not coming to my party. This is not coming to your party. For me, Abandoned is a zero-star banger. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It, I know. I'm giving this movie two stars like Brewster. I, I do enjoy the performances. I actually like the DP work in this. It it looks it looked pretty when I was watching it. I just was frustrated at the way, at the assemblage of this movie. There, I mean, I disagree with Eric. I mean, this is this, these are kind of my films, but I, I did feel Eric's frustration, not to the point of 0.5 as he put it, puts it on the Google Doc. So two stars for me, two Two stars for Bruce and 0.5 from Eric Holmes. I think this episode will bring out the mean and nasty Eric Holmes. You know why? His moniker on his Zoom screen says Jurassic Perk. And if you have any kind of iteration of the name Perky or Bruce, you, you, the knives will be out. All those, all those knives. Let's speaking of knives. Let's continue that the sharpness regarding a movie called. The Righteous, the reason why I got The Righteous is because I want us to cover more films on, on Arrow Films. It's available on the Arrow Player. And as you guys know, coming up, it'll be on Blu-ray as well. Hopefully some Arrow Films, they do some really interesting movies. I looked at the movie called The Righteous. I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. It's in the high 90s. And that's all I, I looked at the numbers and I go, okay, high 90s, thriller, horror thriller might be Bruce and Eric's cup of tea. Bruce, help me on The Righteous. What is it about? Is it way better than Abandoned? And should people be excited for this movie? Well, for me, it's not way better, but I have a feeling for Eric that it is way better. But I could be wrong. The Righteous, directed by Mark O'Brien. Is it the make- same Mark O'Brien that's in it, I believe? And Henry, Sh- I don't know. Cherney. Henry Cherney, thank you. Yeah, from, Mimi, my, from Mission Mimi Impossible. Music. From ah, Mission yes. Impossible, yes, yeah. So anyway, it's a black and white. Uh, it's It's pretty well shot it starts out and you learn that the older guy frederick played by herrick henry cherney is kind of a he's a fallen priest he's now married he they have just lost their granddaughter at the beginning of the movie and they are alone in a small house kind of uh, grieving dealing with that process you can tell he's kind of a troubled man he's you know kind of fighting with his faith and all that kind of stuff and then a stranger appears outside their house one night asking for help with a hurt foot and so begins their i guess adventure per se well basically this stranger comes into their lives and how how is that going to play out is he a threat 
Is he going to be a new son figure in their house? What's going to happen? This and, sounds uh, like a very interesting shot in black and white, like you said, and it sounds like a very interesting movie. It's a it's a story that maybe we've heard a million times before. I, I'd like to know why what, what didn't work about the Righteous for you. It seems interesting. That's the plot for me. Yeah, it is a good setup. I actually I really like the setup. It wasn't as artsy as I was afraid it was going to be based on kind of the presentation when it first started. You know, the the black and white and the kind of you know nicely shot and all that stuff. I thought, oh, this is going to be a super artsy movie it's it's pretty grounded as far as that goes and the characters were pretty grounded and realistic and i like that part of it but it just never quite took off for me it's a little too stagey a little too into the religious allegory of whatever was going on here there was a lot of religion talk and a lot of it just was too talky and didn't uh just didn't quite gel for me as a story i was not uh and it actually became kind of hokey for me in some ways, too, and a little bit too convenient in what was actually occurring with this stranger when he arrives. Mm. It felt a little bit to me like, and I don't want to be mean to it, too mean to it, but a little bit like a student film or a student script, like it needed other hands in it to kind of pep it up a little bit. Pacing, like, tension, any? Of, did you feel any of that? Because this is probably screams for something like that, that kind of dynamic within the narrative. Did you get that? It didn't really, not for me. It was just, it just kind of sat there. I could see it working for some people. I, I think it, it's more coherent than what we just saw, but it doesn't work any better than what we just talked about for me. But it's more, I could say it's more of a singular vision, at least. So black and white cinematography, was that arbitrary for you? Did it, was it, did it work or it was just, it was fine. I don't think it was necessary though, unless it was just a budget thing, which I don't think these days you really need to have a budget for color. <laughs> so Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky mentioned the righteous and he mentioned also the word student film. How did you feel about this movie? Was it on, on the lower depths for you as well? Well, it certainly didn't look like a student film. Um, but I, I could see, I could see where that comes, uh, as far as like the story goes. Um, I like this a little bit better than Bruce. I thought the cinematography was kind of what carried me through a lot of it, but there, you know, there was some, there was some kind of, uh, cool ideas that were, were abandoned seemed like, uh, they had these ideas, but they didn't know really what they were talking about. I got the sense that Righteous knew a little bit more of what it was talking about. At least it, it, it felt a lot more honest. I would have to say, like, the very last scene is probably one of my favorite endings in a long time. Because uh, that, that ending is like the, the movie itself was, was pretty decent, but that ending was just the visuals on that was just freaking awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple setup, um, relatively short. And I would think that, uh, anyone that likes The Conjuring might like this better than The Abandoned, but go ahead and let us know in the comments. When you said the cinematography helped carry you through the narrative, and then you said with the, with the ending that was one of the best endings you've seen in a while, are those two elements strong enough to actually recommend this movie for you? For, yeah, for the, I think for so, because it's not like the rest of the movie is not a recommend. It, it is, but it, it's just, uh, I guess there's a... Uh, some bit of pacing issues, but not, nothing too terrible. The reason why I ask is I, I don't even know, uh, Bruce, I don't know where you are at this, but I'm, I've always been conflicted. If a movie is a certain level where it's maybe meh or just on the, on the okay level, and then it comes out with a really great ending, I end up forgiving a lot of everything else that right. came before and I, I'm biasedly for it. I don't know if that's the right thing I should do. I, where, where do you land Sometimes. on that? Okay, okay. Sometimes, but I would say, uh, see if you agree with me on this, Eric. I don't think the ending is spectacular, but the final shot is really good. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm getting at. But I don't think the final shot is really earned by the rest of the movie, and kind of is my when my problem with it. I think the final shot is a great is a great final shot for a movie that 
wasn't in this movie. In fact, this is going to sound really weird, but (laughs) (laughs) the whole time I was watching this movie, you know what I kept thinking of? I kept thinking of, I want this movie to be the movie of Eric's script. That's what I want this movie to be. (laughs) I got some of that in there. (laughs) And Eric's script actually, surprisingly, and this is to help anybody out there, of course, but it, it actually deals with a lot of the same ideas and subjects in a way more interesting and vibrant and fun and exciting way. And that's the problem is just kind of sat there. I, I think that's, oh, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but that's kind of another one of the reasons why I like this. Cause it was like, <laughs> cool. They're doing my ideas. That means I don't have to. <laughs> no, you do have to now even more. So <laughs> no, the, right. the, the ending is cause uh, the way that uh, you can't really talk yeah, about can't it. Talk the about way, it. the way they built up, I disagree. Cause I thought they built up to the ending pretty well because it's uh starts off as a, is he isn't he sort of thing yeah and then by the end it's very clear what it is and right. that that last shot was just kind of uh just kind of the cherry on top for me i was like that's so, I, it's uh I, I here's a movie i can't talk about red state featuring kyle Garner. yes Palmer, by the way i thought um, that too <laughs> so there's the ending of red state that we all seen and then if you listen to interviews with Kevin Smith, there's, a, there's the ending that he wanted to do. I felt like the ending of The Righteous was the ending that they wanted to do, as opposed to the one that, oh, we don't have the budget. We can't do this. Right. That, that's about the best I can put it without giving anything away. Bruce, I'm going to ask you, direct, it says here, director, actor, writer, like you said, Mark O'Brien, it's a dark chiller about a burdened man who feels the wrath of a vengeful God. So me being Catholic, do you think... in in just in broad strokes, if someone is a person of faith, possibly the righteous might have a slighter uptake. Or are you just saying no? This movie, the way it was executed it, it as might. a story, it might. I mean, I, I just I wasn't really bought into it the whole way, and I think that if you if you did kind of buy into it a little more, it kind of t- ticked those boxes for you. This might be a slight upgrade. I don't think it's going to blow you away, but I think you might be like, this is good. I, I like this. I, kind of at that level. So, and I'm kind of the opposite way. Eh, well, it wasn't quite there for me, <laughs> you know? So, so which side of the fence do you tip on? But I don't think it's going to go way up for people. Very cool. So that is The Righteous. Bruce Perky, what is your rating on this film? Uh, I'm at two stars again. Two stars with The Righteous. Eric Holmes, your rating. I'm, you know, I'm going between three and a half and four. I'll probably just go four just because I like the ending so much. Wow. Wow. Four stars for Eric Holmes. Okay. And Eric, to, on Bruce's case, what is the barrier to entry regarding this movie? Or if there is one, uh, if you don't like good movies that are in black and white, then <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> really? Oh, I see how this is. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Eric Holmes. Uh, uh, the, there's, uh, the knives. I, I don't think there's much barrier to entry. This is just kind of uh, you're either in or you're out. Kind of, it, it's just one of those things. Yeah, Bruce, one take that, things. man. Take that, Bruce. You're either in or you're out, and you're out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for Eric's movie. See, I am in oh, for Eric's good. movie. That's the, that's the way I'm going with this. Very, very cool. Okay, thank you. And I apologize for not seeing The Righteous. I have a check disc, so I'm going to watch it on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, look, my, my hands are shaking. I think the Flatliners are going to somewhere in Colorado. Do, do you think someone will open? The, okay, okay, Flatliners. We'll go to Eric I'll watch Holmes. the shit out of that. Okay, and I apologize <laughs> that it's not DC Cab, but at least it's Flatliners because, and I agree, that movie rocks. Flatliners, I forgot to ask you, Bruce. Did you like that movie when you saw it back in way back when? Did you enjoy that? Film? Yes, yeah. Flatliners is is good. It's good for sure. 
Okay, speaking of good, what maybe a year, year and a half ago, all three of us watched this Cooper Ray film called S-H-I-T House. You know what? Let me just, I'm so sick of saying S-House and S-H-I-T House. I did that on Cinematics earlier today. It's a movie called Shit House, written and directed by Cooper Ray. I'm sorry, what are you cut out? It's what was that? A what Shit was House, that? aka the things I, I do every every 20 movie. minutes with my bowel movements. Now, this movie, Bruce and I both love this movie a lot. I mistakenly said that Eric was not about this movie. I actually even emailed him or, or messaged him like, oh, yeah, I remember you weren't a big fan of it. I listened to our old Find Your Film episode. Actually, Eric's initial review, I don't know if you remember this, Eric, but his review was it wasn't a film for him, but it's, it could be a very impactful movie for people who are either going through what the main character was going through in Shithouse or someone – it can be really appreciated. So I misspoke. You actually, in, a, in your own way, Eric, you actually recommended Shithouse, correct? When we reviewed it, in a way, it wasn't for you, but you yeah. saw the merit in the movie. Shoot. I, I barely remember what happened yesterday, but it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, what, what you say sounds sounds real familiar. Like, uh, it, if you're, like, in your early 20s, this yes. is, like, is, like, a must-see movie because you can learn something from it. Yes. But, like, from a 40-year-old guy, it's like, I already had those... Lessons feelings lessons I, I still have yet to, to have those lessons i'm yeah. i i'll do all i do is watch movies and host podcasts and uh sit in the corner so no no going out yeah, I, don't, I don't get just, to go out just sit here watch movies talk about them and don't hurt anyone don't hurt for the feelings of the, some of the filmmakers <laughs> <if you're... laughs> okay I, apologize, Bruce, I apologize to all of you you guys do hard work and we're sitting here just <laughs> shitting on them every week i know that's our bad we we're sorry fellow filmmakers and bruce what did you love about uh, cooper rafe back in the day when you first saw shit house because i remember you were really high on him and the actress dylan galula and i i just liked it, it was one of those movies <clears throat> pardon me it was one of those movies where you just at first you're not so sure where you're going with it but once you met his character and you kind of sat with it and the other the woman i can't remember uh the name of the actress which dylan galula yeah and it and it just settled into its its kind of its vibe and it became them just on this sort of ambling journey over a night i i really liked that and i really liked his character his character's journey and it wasn't a simple meet cute fall in love kind of movie it was a little more complex than that and i think i appreciated that too that it wasn't it didn't it didn't play out in the most stereotypical way and it was just his character was just so likably flawed and i think that was what kind of gave it that that spice you know well eric is in his i believe early 40s me and bruce were in our 50s so we do we do remember the days back in the 90s when indie cinema would actually land some really good deals out of sundance the sundance film festival but people like cooper rave in my opinion in these days it's really hard to find if you're not in bed with any of the streaming services and you're a real indie filmmaker it's very very tough even though there's a lot of there's a glut of movies out there and content it's hard to actually become a real success story with the original film Shithouse, the movie on Wikipedia, it says it costs $15,000 to make. IFC Films, I mentioned this on Cinematics really today, but IFC Films bought it. So we're assuming he probably made a pretty penny just on $15,000, right? And then IFC Films bought the film rights. I'm sure that movie has done well over the last couple of years. It's not streaming anywhere. You have to actually buy it on digital. So that's probably, IFC is probably saying, hey, we have something really cool on our hands. You better pony up the money you know to, to actually just watch it do you guys have any idea and i asked this to anderson too cha-cha real smooth his latest film which opens friday on apple tv bruce or eric do you know how much apple bought this movie for why don't you guys take a guess 15 million 
okay, Bruce, you read, you read too much. I don't like you very much anymore. That's the answer. Eric, your game's over. You read that too, uh, right? 15.69 million. 15.69 million. <laughs> that is, then Dan Cooper would be in ultimate heaven, not in the righteous hell that we spe- spoke of before. Yes, correct, Bruce. $15 million for Chan Chow Real Smooth just to have the right. So right now, Cooper Wraith is really swimming in the money. That's not important. Just a real nice, wonderful story for an indie filmmaker, not so indie anymore with the Apple release on Friday. The premise is Cooper Rafe is a guy who, like Eric said, early 20s, this time instead of shithouse, he's not in college. He's just out of college. And now he's living with his mother and, f- mother and stepfather. His mother's played by Leslie Mann. His stepfather is a, I think a boring, I forgot, boring pharmaceutical guy played by Brad Garrett. Very funny. Also, Cooper Rafe is, decides to move home with with his with his stepmom and his younger brother he he ends up living with his stepbrother in that room he they share a room together now so a little bit of a state of arrested development behind cha cha real smooth he has a job at a fast food place called meat sticks and ultimately he ends up getting a job as a party starter on various bar and bat mitzvahs all over town on in one of the these events he meets the mother um really Beautiful mother played by Dakota Johnson, single mom, and she has an auti- she has an autistic daughter. Ultimately, Cooper Rafe's character bonds with the daughter, and of course, the mother. Their relationship is chronicled within you know all its heartbreak and successes and romance is chronicled in the coming of age drama or dramedy. Lots of co- comedic touches in Cha Cha, real smooth. Eric Holmes, you enjoyed Shit House for its quality in a sense, but it wasn't really up. To where you are at th- that moment, you know, because you've been through that this uh, before. How did you feel about Cha Cha Real Smooth? Could you relate to it more, or did you just find it to be a better story? How did you feel of Cha Cha Real Smooth? Uh, this one was a lot better than uh, Shit House, in my opinion. It just uh, kind of kind of did what Shit House did and just opened it up more. Uh, it feels like a, a someone that's you know, um, you know, they drew a balloon. They drew a really nice balloon. And it, you know, it's, it, everyone agrees that's, that's a pretty good looking balloon. Well, now he's going to draw another balloon, but this one looks really good. <laughs> that's kind of what Cha Cha Real Smooth it, it almost feels like a, it almost feels like a do over of Shit House, which was already pretty good to begin with. And, uh, you know, just kind of writing the same kind of uh, ideas, dynamics. Um, he's really good at uh, like character work, character dynamic, all that. And then weaving story in it. And then he, there's like certain parts where like, uh, they'll do, um, kind of cliches of the genre. And then he's kind of, you know, does, here's a cliche of the genre. Here's how it would probably actually play out in real life. And those were kind of fun to watch in there. Yeah. This is a pretty good movie. Um, so better like, written, you feel better written than shit house for you. I, I would say about the same. I, I just think the, uh, this is just kind of, uh, shit house felt like a dry run for this shit house was him kind of warming up. And then he comes out with cha-cha real smooth. And it's like, bam, stuck the landing there. Mm, okay. Very good. I'm glad that Eric Holmes really enjoyed cha-cha real smooth. Bruce Berkey, I'm assuming that this was, you are all over this movie as well. Oh yeah. I think this is a really, really good movie. And I think that, um, I was watching it and it's one of those movies where you want to make all these comparisons. You know, I've seen a lot of people comparing it to the, um, well, I've seen Shithouse gets compared a lot to the, uh, what is it before? Before Trilogy. Before Trilogy. Before Trilogy. Right? Yeah. I think this, I started thinking of The Graduate in some ways, because it's this idea of this kind of guy, you know, he's out of college, he's kind of adrift, trying to find his way in the world, and also trying to find his way in like love and relationships. But I think that what works in this movie, as well as Shithouse really well, is that 
His characters are really flawed, but really, I think they're really understandable and believable in a lot of ways. And it doesn't doesn't take the easy paths in a lot of these scenes. And I think that's what Eric's is talking about as well. Like, in some ways, The Graduate does take the easy paths, you know, like, at the end of the movie, you, I was talking about how, like, they're sitting on the bus, and there's that moment they sit on the bus, and everyone's just like, well, what happens after that moment? This is going to be a problem. This is this this relationship is going to be a mess. Well, this movie lets the messes happen. And even something as simple as there's a, a scene early on in this movie where the character played by Dakota Johnson has an issue inside of a bathroom during one of these events that he's planning. And that scene is played out so interesting and it's so relatable, but unique and something I haven't quite seen, but also it's, it's kind of a really strange meat cute in some ways, but it's not a meat cute at all. Um, And I think this whole movie does that sort of thing. It it takes a scene that uh, has a weird tension and a humor at the same time. And he's a likable character, but sometimes he's not a likable character. He gets really drunk and becomes an asshole at times, which also, I don't know about you guys, but that's relatable. Hey, you know, you've got these moments where you just kind of don't do the right thing. And I want to kind of underline a couple things too. The character of her daughter, Lola, is is great representation as well. I was reading, I was curious because she is represented as a person on this, I think on the spectrum with what is exactly her uh i forget i forget her the diagnosis but she's on on the spectrum and i think that she the actress is actually a character that they looked hard to find an actress to actually represent she's autistic right yeah i think it's autistic yeah so that i thought was really refreshing and one thing i could think could be kind of aimed at this movie would be dakota johnson's character kind of being kind of a cipher or kind of just as this character, this kind of what he projects upon her, but the movie deals with that. And oh, yeah. it deals with that in a really interesting way. And even a character like her love interest starts out as one thing, I thought, and ends up somewhere else. I, I think this movie is like the best Woody Allen movies, like those kind of movies where you go into it and it has kind of a simple concept, but by the end you feel like you know characters in a really rich way and you've kind of gone on a journey with them to the point where the beginning and the ends of the movie feel like just a slice. You feel like this life continues for these characters afterwards. I think that's a great testament to some really good writing. Yeah, I think what Cha Cha Real Smooth does well, and I I, I thought Shithouse did really well as well. Yeah. Too, but this one does a little bit better. The idea of heartbreak. When you're watching the movie, yeah. you actually are not, are transported. I, at least I was with Cha Cha Real Smooth to your own memories of the times you got your heart broken or maybe the time you wanted to, to tell someone, Hey, I think we're soulmates or I think we have something. What is it? Uh, what did Roger Ebert say? He said the movies are an empathy machine. For Cha Cha Real Smooth is a real time machine. You, you get to not this, this story. You get to your own stories in your life where you may have not felt so good and you might be emotional about a lot of things that may work out or may not work out, or you might be somewhere in the middle. And it's a very scary feeling. So in a weird way, there are parts of Cha-Cha Real Smooth in all its beautiful glory and learning about the, the characters. There are some horrific and scary moments that are hard to face as a viewer. So I would, I really loved at how unadulterated and truthful this movie you know, seemed to be for me. Eric Holmes, it seems like you really want to say something about this movie. Yeah, I just kind of want to throw this out there because this will never happen, but this would be really, this would be cha-cha real smooth if it did. Um, <laughs> I need Cooper Rave to write a script. I need Jim Cummings to write a script, and then they swap them, and each one directs each other's scripts. Oh, yeah. So oh, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there in the ether, make that happen. 
Oh my! And God. they call it Cha Cha Real Lumpy. <laughs> Cha Cha Real. Because their energy is so different, but they're both so smart and good writers in different yeah. ways. And to see their, them each bring their own energy to the other person's script would be super interesting. Yeah, and they're both singular without being arrogant about it, and I, that's what I really love. They, they just really love the process. Speaking of Jim Cummings, I mentioned him today on Cinematics in defense of Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. That is actually the thing I forgot about. Thank you for tying this in, Eric Holmes. At the beginning, I wanted to ask Eric and Bruce, before we get to the ratings of Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Bruce and Eric, I don't know if you listened to this week's episode, or you did listen to this week's episode of The Film Vault. What did you think of Brian and Anderson's take on Jallo Cinema vis-a-vis Dario um, Argentis, Suspiria. Yeah, oh, 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 and you have, I want, I want some knives to, for you to stick with anything, Eric or Bruce, any thoughts oh, regarding no. their lack of love for that film or lack of passion for Argentis? No, it, it sounded like Anderson was kind of like, uh, like, uh, like trying to get in there, like really trying, but it just wasn't working for him. It's, it's about what I, what I expected. You sound like a warden who's just letting the prisoners uh, for the 24-hour leave. Just come back whenever you want. Kid gloves to your buddy Anderson. Bruce, what do you think about their lack of appreciation I mean, for Jello? If you only eat vanilla ice cream and you taste chocolate ice cream once and you think it sucks, I mean, you know, what are you going to expect from somebody? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, they, they even in that I think it was that episode they were talking about a beer. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was a, the beer drinking scenes. Like they're like drinking. It's like, oh, this is wonderful. It's like that's not how we first drink beer. You first drink it. It's like, oh, what the hell is Ew. that? Got to warm up to <laughs> exactly. It. Very, very good, Eric Holmes. So this is in reference to the film vault and Brian Bishop, um, Bob Brian Bishop, and Anderson Cowan. They reviewed the movie Suspiria and its um, quote unquote remake with uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce Luca's last name, but by the way, what it's the I'm sorry, Eric. Guadagnino. Very good, Eric. And obviously the lead actress in that is Dakota Johnson. So that's regarding the film vaults this weekend. Ties in back to Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I'm going to start first. My rating for Cha-Cha Real Smooth is, well, it's going to be higher than Abandoned. I'm giving this, this is a five-star banger for me just because how it made me feel. It almost got me to the petite maman references level. But there is something very annoying about Cha-Cha Real Smooth that I'm going to get to. In our spoiler discussion, it's going to take a couple minutes. Take a listen to that. I, I wonder if Eric and Bruce picked up on what I found, found was annoying. Still a five-star banger for me. Eric Holmes, your rating on Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I'd probably go four and a half on this. I kind of want to go five just because I can't think of a better way to do this movie. So five stars makes sense. But it's, it's yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll go five on this one, too. Five on that one. Bruce, I mean, Eric should know what's the what's the best way in Eric's mind for for a movie to be a five star banger, what is the best way to do it? Do you know, Bruce? The the best way you mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. His, his like canon or his yeah, trip yeah, canon yeah. With his, no, yeah, for <laughs> for a movie for a movie to actually go from four to five or four and a half to five, what did, what needs to be done for Eric to give it a five? It's a pretty easy answer. Uh, well, it has meat sticks in it, so very close. <laughs> That's very, very funny. Very funny. Obviously, speaking of which, Joe Dante, it just needs gremlins, and that will be a biased yeah. half star, one star. No, this is, this isn't like a shirt cannon five star, but this is like a uh, you, you did. This is like the best version of this kind of movie that I I could think of. Yes. So I I can't like for I want to give it four and a half, but I'm like, well, what they do wrong? I can't think of it. So. Okay, I might, I might help you on that later on in our spoiler discussion. So five stars for Eric Holmes, five stars for me, Bruce. Four and a half. And I, with room to grow. But yeah, I'm going to go four and a half. I don't know why. 
Eric almost convinced me to go to five, and I'm like, I can't. I don't really have a reason, but it just feels four and a half to me. So we'll see. Okay, before we get to our final review, which is The, the Witch 2, the other one, I'm just going to quickly mention on Friday, there's a movie called Spiderhead from Netflix. It's directed by one of Eric Holmes's, I, I would assume, maybe favorite modern filmmakers today. Am I correct on this, Joseph Kaczynski? Eric, are you really high on his body of work, or am I misspeaking on your behalf? I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I, I like Top Gun Magnum almost as much as Bruce did. And uh, of oh, course, okay. okay. Oh, of course, boy. only the brave is awesome. Yeah, and so, Oblivion, uh, the, the Oblivion's good, and the Tron Legacy's good, but only the Braves like the top yeah. shit to me. And I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick a lot, so I'm, yes. I'm at least very curious on the Spider Head. Yeah, Spiderhead, Chris Hemsworth plays sort of a, I'm not going to say too much about it, but the, you, you, when people see the trailer, they know Miles Teller is in, in an enclosed, really sophisticated facility and he's taking drugs. And for some reason, each of these drugs have, has a mind altering behavioral thing to him and all of the other people who are in this facility. Chris Hemsworth seems to be the coordinator of all of this drug taking. He's the leader of the pack. He's the one who's calling the shots. And that is a premise of Spiderhead directed by Joseph Kaczynski. You're wondering what's going on. Why are these people taking these drugs? What kind of effects they have? All of those things will be answered within the framework of the narrative, which, by the way, has a ton of very popular songs from the 80s. Where if you if you like these earworm type hit songs from the 80s, this is I'm going to just say one of them. If you love Thomas, I think it's Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me With Science. Don't worry. It'll be there. So <laughs> there's going to be um, other tracks, even if you don't Science. like. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, I, see, I good. I don't have to cut that one. Look, there's going to be enough earworm type tracks for you to enjoy. There's also some really good performances from Miles Teller, Chris Hemsworth, and Journey Smollett. So overall, it, and I love that there's some action in it. There, it wraps up in a really cool way. I just love it. It's a different tone. Is it on par with Only the Brave? Um, Bruce's favorite Top Gun Maverick. Kidding, Bruce. I'm going to say Bruce Perkin. Not the biggest fan of Top Gun Maverick. So let's let. I'm I'm the five star banger guy. Okay, so don't worry. Don't don't uh, don't annoy Bruce with your takes on Top Gun Maverick. But I I love Kaczynski. This is not a, reaches on that level, but still for me, it's four stars. Really good entertainment piece piece for um especially if you're a fan of Kaczynski. I think most people would would give this three to three and a half, but had a lot of upscale things about what they have to say about being compliant regarding drug taking, where about free will. A lot of I like the themes behind Spiderhead, plus it has some really cool music and Chris Hemsworth, it's really cool. I look, I love MCU, but it's great to see Chris Hemsworth play a role that really stretches him as an actor. And we all know how really cool Miles Teller is as an actor. Bruce, even though you're not a big fan of Top Gun Maverick, did you enjoy, do you like Miles Teller as an actor from what you've seen from his work or? Not, not really. <laughs> not. The, the movie where he's, uh, with the, what's the one with the, Eric, help me. What's that? Whiplash. What's that jazz movie? What, what? Which Whiplash. One? Whiplash. Huh? Bruce? Yeah, it's good. Spectacular now? No? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it. Only the Brave, Bruce. Remember? He's Eric? good in Only the Brave, but he's, I mean, I think anyone would have been good. In that one, okay, that is fair. That is fair. What about what about Todd Quinn Magnum? He's, he's fine. <laughs> he's a little rooster, Bruce. Little yeah, I, I love how the goose had to have a rooster. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that movie. Eric Holmes, are you a Miles Teller fan? Do you like his stuff? Goose laid a wonderful egg. In Miles goose, <laughs> goose laid a wonderful egg. You're going to like Miles Teller in Spiderhead again. 
opening on Friday. My fi- final one for this week before we get into a couple other things is I apologize to Bruce Perky for making him go the RRR route by watching basically maybe seven, uh, five hours of extra cinema, which he didn't have to because I got a late screener screener link for The Witch 2, the other one. Why? Because I'm such a fan of The Witch 1, the subversion, which is headlined by this really wonderful actress named Kim Demi in The Witch 1, the subversion. She plays a woman who, a young girl who escapes a big massacre in this facility. We're talking about facilities here. At the beginning, she, she, uh, she, she as a child, she escapes this facility. She goes live, she lives in a farmhouse with some loving 50 something people, husband and wife, and they raise her to become this really wonderful daughter and dutiful daughter. But if you know, it's not too much of a spoiler, that dutiful daughter, she has a ton of power. She is the aforementioned witch. That is the premise of The Witch 1, the subversion before we get into our sequel, The Witch 2. I was so high on this movie, the third act for The Witch 1. For me, the final 15 to 20 minutes is Something like on a Brian De Palma level, I I watch those scenes over and over again just because of the kinetic action and the violence and the the genre, fine, mystical. I just love everything about it. Bruce, was I too crazy in love about the witch, the subversion? Was I overselling it? How did you overall feel about the original? Um, I like it. I think it's a solid, a solid movie. I think the way I would look at it for people that don't really know what they're getting into. First of all, I'd say both titles are terrible. <laughs> the Witch One Subversion, The Witch Two, The Other One. I mean, I don't know if part of that is, uh, <laughs> is a, maybe a, a translation. Cause I mean, we're coming from Korean. So maybe it comes through differently, but whatever it, it works. You understand. I think the way I look at these, it's helpful to look at these is something like Stranger Things, which has to get a whole season to get to the point. It's each of these movies seems to be almost like a season of one of those things. Instead of a season, you get to have a movie. So season one of Stranger Things is the witch, but with a lot more violence and a lot less member berries. It's its own thing, but it kind of is somewhere. It's in that, it's in that middle ground. I'd say somewhere between like a Stranger Things where you have kids being experimented on or something in a facility and they're given maybe are they getting powers? What's going on and trying to live a normal life and then getting sucked back into that world, but also having kind of the violence. And the blood that you would not have in a Stranger Things, like way heightened in this movie. Uh, and also, like, there's elements almost of X-Men. There's a little bit of that going on here, too. I would agree on the first movie. I really love the – there's a turn. And we're not going to talk about it. But we haven't we haven't given the turn. The fact that they have powers and stuff is kind of a known thing from early on. You just don't know what those are exactly. But there is a a major plot turn that occurs, like you said, I think in the last 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. It might get there. It might get to the stuff a little slow for me. But compared to an actual TV series that might take nine episodes, it gets there pretty fast. So <laughs> I guess in that sense, it's good. Um, I wouldn't say this blows me away, but I, I it was – this is good, solid – genre entertainment i think that you watch this movie and you're in good hands and you'll have a good time for me it's probably uh this first one's like a three and a half star movie solid good meat potatoes you're going to enjoy yourself if it sounds interesting to you you're going to enjoy yourself you might even enjoy it even more than i'm selling it oh and also i discovered something by watching this that i never knew before i found this on demand on on demand korea which is something i never even heard of before does it work okay yeah it has ads but it's like Tubi or one of those other things. It's called On Demand Korea, and it was there. I don't know what else is on On Demand Korea, but if you like Korean cinema, I'm guessing there's a lot of stuff on On Demand Korea. So that might be something to check out. 
So if you love the action genre film with a little bit of that superhero kind of or mutant yeah. kind of situation, it's a solid recommend. Yes, a solid recommend for sure. And it's good. Uh, and once again, this is not going to be your Hollywood high level CGI. So there's a little CGI hicks and hiccups in there, but the creativity of it and the energy of it overpowers the some of the limitations and some of the effects might be slightly, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you enjoy it because of what it gives you. Now, okay, so my, Bruce, my only concern with the Witch 2, the Witch Part 2, the other one, not mm-hmm. just its moniker, was the fact that you can tell from the trailer that Kim Dummy, the leader, the lead actress from the first film, was really barely, if or if any, going to actually be in the sequel. So we're going to have yes. to deal with another actress dealing with, she's another witch. She, there's a sort of a parallel story that she has with the original witch from, from the first film. So there's going to be a, there's going to be an echo as far as the, the narrative and a parallel, parallel narrative. And then B, you don't have Kim Demi and she's so charismatic. And I loved her yes. in that. And it's hard to this actress. It, it It's a huge shoes to fill. So wondering just based on those two strikes that I'm giving it, how did this sequel work for you? Did it, surprised you in a good way or was it a, a come down for you i think it was to me it was almost equal but for different reasons so the, like you said there is a drawback because you've got now you've got attached to this character you really like you like the actress you like you know her journey now you're stuck with her you kind of want to know what happens to her and you're kind of pulled away from that that is definitely a detriment to this movie but um this is kind of middle middle movie syndrome to some degree because I believe this is going to be a trilogy, at least. It yes. looks like it's going to be a trilogy. Uh, and this is setting up the main conflict, right? So you have to have these two characters to kind of know what's happening in this movie. This movie, okay, on the draw- drawback side of this movie, this movie is a little more a little more confusing. There's a lot more plot lines to kind of follow. And I even mentioned to you, like, hey, I'm a little lost in this. What's going on? Did I miss a movie or something? Can but you imagine not even together. watching? Sorry. Can you imagine not even watching the first one and trying to get it? No, the, get, you, you can't. It. You need to watch the first one. But... It does come together. Now, on the plus side for this movie, I think the scope is bigger and it builds more lore and it's a little more cinematic. And some of the set pieces are bigger than the other one. And I think that some of the set pieces here are equally as good, if not even a little bit better. Once you start to see all the different characters, there's at least three moving parts, three major moving parts in this movie. You've got the witch, the the other one. (laughs) And I love her introduction is really good. And there's some really cinematic moments with her and kind of learning what her powers are compared to the other witch that we saw in the first one. I'm going to say too many other witches. So you get her, you get a a group of these powerful, I don't know what you call them. Transhumans or something like that. Yeah. Like they call them X people or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And then they're out to find her. And then there's kind of a, another group that's out to kind of find her. So, and there's even like these uh, gangster types that are involved too. So there's a lot of moving parts in this one as well. But I think as they start to kind of thread together, the last, I say third of this gets very satisfying for my taste. There's also a brother and sister, and they're yep. they, they lost their parents, and they're they're oh here's another farmhouse. This is a different farmhouse from yeah. the original <laughs> one. My goodness! And look, there are so many moving parts. There's a, you know, like you said, there's a group of uh, maybe not officers but investigators, and they're trying to they're do gooders as well. But they some of them have powers, and some of them speak different languages. And a couple uh, one of the big subtractions is there is there are some cheeky moments where there's some banter. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm sure people who actually, when you start, 
when you start writing us over at fi- info at find your films, one of the complaints will be more Eric, more Bruce, and less banter from Greg Trzevosti. And that's what I found wrong with. Thank you, Eric, for that kind nod. But um, the witch part two, the other one, I just felt there was just too much cutesy banter. Just get to the action, get to the story, get to the narrative. We don't need these cute. Did you was that annoying for you? These little moments aside, or were you cool with it? Like, hey, that's a nice breather for me. I was with you on that. I think they were probably the least necessary characters. Like I could have probably lost those characters and kept everyone else and been okay with it, but yeah. it was okay. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. But look for me, for you, three and a half stars for the original. Was mm-hmm. this, so you're, are you, are you giving this movie three and a half stars as well? Yes. I think they're both three and a half stars. I think they work a little bit differently, but I think they're both equally Especially if you like the first one, I think you will like this one. I think you'll feel satisfied by this one, and I think it will make you want to watch the third one. The so, witch- which is the kind of the goal, right? It's right. to give you some entertainment and to make you want to see what happens. And I can imagine the third one being the best of the three. The Witch Part One, the Witch One, the Subversion, it, for me was a five star banger. I, it's one of these things where I I liken that to my love for Raising Cain, directed mm-hmm. by Brian De Palma. It's one of these, I don't know if everyone will say five-star banger for the subversion, but I loved it so much. This one was a slight come down for me, but still four stars for me. I love, I love this whole universe so much. The lead actress, not as charismatic as Kim Demi, but like Bruce was saying, this is in, even though these are similar stories, it goes different directions. And I liked the way her character, the second witch was actually developed. So yes, maybe not as telegenic or as charismatic as Kim Demi, but this actress does a really good job with the role she gets to play. And ultimately it comes together at the end. Finally, one thing I really loved about the witch to the other one. It could have gone the same way as the, as the original, but there is something that happens towards the end of the movie that you said, Oh, wait, what just happened? Okay. That happened. And I give credit just for the storytellers for actually going through with that. It makes sense in the end, but yeah, it could have, they could have gone the safe route. And when filmmakers, storytellers decide to say, Hey, you know what? F you audience, we're just going to do something different and we're going to pull the rug. And there was some rug pulling in a good way. With this movie. And yes, when these so. movies, these movies that are essentially kind of superhero movies in a way, when they have actual consequences, it makes them matter more. And it, uh, MCU and all these movies are starting to cut that away. They're not having any consequences anymore because they have multiverses and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's something to be learned with these kind of movies that you get some, you build some actual stakes if you have some consequences that actually matter in these movies. Bruce, I passionately agree with you, and I'm sure Eric Holmes agrees agrees with you regarding this MCU, DCU reference, but I'm trying to get us monetized, and I'm cutting that right now <laughs> as we speak. All he's going to say is like, MCU, I love it. MCU, I love the MCU. Yes. I ha- And they're all, and here's a big reveal, all of these Bruce Perky drops are voiced by Eric Holmes. Dun, dun, dun. Would that, be, that would be the ultimate twist in my perverse story about how we eventually get monetized by the evil uh, that, you know, the evils out there. Anyway, you, you want me to give you a quick sound drop? <laughs> okay. I love Disney. I love MCU. I love DC Universe. Very good, Eric Holmes. For Now you drops. can just cut that out and drop it in wherever. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, so those are our featured reviews. With this And the good, here's the good news. This episode only took about four and a half hours. Well, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, we Oh, we have a box movie that I didn't see. Again, me not doing my job. What do we have to do? What's up? Oh, I was going to say one more thing. 
what does Pete drop every week? No, he doesn't drop that beat every week. He drops that merch every week. But oh, he, he might drop something else, Eric Holmes. Yes. What does he do? Yeah. Hey, yo, Pete. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy Is that licensing, birthday Bruce? to you. Oh, no. Yeah. Happy birthday, Peter Beta Test. Happy birthday to you. Now drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? The dulcet tones of Eric Holmes. Bruce was saying that he did not want to actually take partake because he's not a fan of Peter Beta, the person, the podcaster, or or a the human being so. and and the song is public domain now so we're oh, public domain that's okay the Bruce, only reason get... i did that <laughs> hey, i already i already wished him a happy birthday yesterday my son and i called him at six in the morning his time while he was still in his underwear and we tried to wish him a happy birthday he didn't answer the phone i was quite offended by that so later i had to send him the uh, computer ai generated version of willem dafoe riding a unicorn which he says he already has tattooed on his thigh so hey i've, I've already done my work on this you've done your due diligence very good bruce perky regarding peter beta and his crew tyler noe and joseph navarro over at middle class film class I, oh by the way Thank you so much. If you've listened this far, thank you, Ken Cunningham. Thank you, the aforementioned Peter Beta. Thank you. Who else? Who else are we going to thank, Bruce? People who bought oh, our merch. Um, Matt Stillman. Uh, Matt, Matt Stillman. Stillman. Yeah, I'll say Matt yeah. Stillman bought something. Thank you, guys. One And more people, right, Eric? More people will be buying our merch at findyourfilmpodcast.com. We're if waiting. So. If I say so, <laughs> millions and millions of people. What? And, and I, 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 think, I still think they're waiting for that shower curtain. The shower curtain and the shopping cart. Don't weekend. hold your breath, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And okay. five years from now, we'll be talking about how that shower curtain's still coming. <laughs> All right. So for this week's box movie, what do you got, Bruce? And who 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 picked this? Uh, the Legend of Billy Jean, 1985. I don't know how this ended up in my box. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Things just end up in there. The Legend okay. of Billie Jean, uh, 1985, met, directed by Matthew Robbins, who I guess I, I was looking to see what that person has directed. I uh, One of the ones I recognized was Dragon Slayer, which I saw back when I was really little, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit. And I looked and their newest credit, mostly writing credits, their brand newest credit as is as a writer for uh, the brand new Pinocchio that's coming out, the stop motion one by Guillermo de Toro. So he, he's like right in the news, like today. Oh, really? Today? Oh, Matthew and Ro- Matthew Robbins also penned the del Toro film Crimson Peak. Yeah, he's so. had a very interesting career, that guy. And I still haven't yeah. seen Dragon Slayer. I, I really want to see Dragon Slayer. So Dragon Slayer is actually pretty cool. Oh, okay, it's pretty very cool. Eric Combs, you agree? Dragon Slayer is a cool, cool movie. You liked it? Is that the is that the Sean Connery one? No. It's Dragon Heart, sir. Oh, okay. Dragon Heart. Dragon Slayer. Like, Dragon Slayer, then. Maybe Dragon Slayer is pretty cool. Dragon Slayer is like. Oh, wait. Early... That's a. Didn't Phil Tippa work on that? He might have. I, that sounds like it could be possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, clearly, I need to watch it again because either <laughs> I did. haven't watched it or I saw it so long ago, I don't remember. It's it. pretty cool. Uh, anyway, what do we need to say about The Legend of Billie Jean? So it is Helen Slater and Christian Slater. And I guess this is plagued them for their whole life because they have to keep saying that they're not related. <laughs> and uh, we got Yeardley Smith, who's 20 when they filmed this. Oh. And she plays like 
14 or something. Yeah, she I was just reading. It. I mean, she's looked like she was 12 years old until yeah. like probably yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was reading. Like she turned 13. <laughs> I was reading some of the trivia, and that was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. And then Dean Stockwell and Peter Coyote as a couple of different officials that are out to get him. Uh, this is, to me, now, Eric's going to probably just say it's a straight up five star movie. Uh, I, it's got a lot of 80s cheese. I would say to me, this is a three star banger. This is a three-star banger because in a lot of ways you can say, hey, it's a pretty silly story, but God, is it a lot of fun to watch. Um, what is the basic concept of this movie if you haven't seen it? Well, the two Slaters in the movie are brother and sister, uh, <laughs> and we have the beginning of the movie. The opening credits are are her being hit on by the uh, you know, Trans Am style guys, you know, like the 80s style jock guys that are hitting on her. Uh, chasing them down, they steal her little brother's scooter, his beloved uh, scooter, which is a uh, – he made a point of saying what it was, a Honda Elite, which must have had some uh, sponsorship of this movie. Um, <laughs> they steal his Honda Elite and they they trash it. And then she storms into the bad jock's dad's business and demands payment for both the, the medical costs of her little brother getting beat up by these hooligans and for the replacement or the repair of the bike. Dad of hooligan proceeds to basically assault her. Uh, and, uh, in the, in the melee, uh, dad gets shot by Christian Slater and they're on the run. Billy or, uh, what? Bonnie and Clyde style almost, you know, a whole bunch of roughneck kids go on the run and they become celebrities and so begins the legend of billy jean somehow in the, all of this they meet up with what's his name oh i can't think of his name he's the guy that's in all these 80s movies including christine uh keith I didn't gordon his name keith yeah gordon? Oh. uh they meet up with him they become you know celebrities they there's uh bounties on their head there's radio stations there's people you know dressing up like her because she does this whole joan of arc turn um this movie is just 80s cheese goodness in all of its glory it's got the soundtrack of course like it's got a, a white wedding playing during a chase in a mall i mean how can you go wrong with that it's got pat benatar of course as the and pat benatar i guess when she sings this song live she says one of the worst movies ever made and then she sings her song uh <laughs> which is wrong it's not one of the yeah. worst movies ever made not even close yeah I, uh, she, apparently she didn't watch Jurassic world three yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Dominion. Uh, don't get, make sure you get that in there. Uh, this movie is just tons of fun. If you like 80s, it was, if you grew up in the time, I'm guessing if I would have been 12 when I saw this movie, I would have been in love with her. Helen Slater would have been the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Uh, I would have loved this movie wholeheartedly. And But as a, an older man watching this movie, I, I love it in a different way, which there is some incredible nostalgia and cheese here. And it's just fun. This is just fun, dumb, dumb fun all the way through. Wow. Dumb, dumb fun all the way through. Peter Coyote, is, does he have a big role in this movie? Isn't he in E.T.? Isn't it like yeah. the same role mm -hmm. kind of? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the same role, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, Peter Coyote was born in the year 1941. The reason why I'm mentioning his name, back in the early 90s, there was a Roman Polanski film called Bitter Moon. I'm going into one oh, of my yes. name. I, I, we, Eric, we need to do some kind of music interlude where they have Greg doing a name-dropping segment. So for this movie, he was the lead in Bitter Moon, starring Hugh Grant, directed by Polanski in 1992. I went to the hot a hotel room where... Peter Coyote was staying at to interview him about Bitter Moon, and he was having lunch. He treated me to lunch. We're at the hotel. It's completely innocent. We're at the hotel room eating food, mm -hmm. talking about 
Yeah, right. Uh, we're talking about Bitter Moon and about his life. I, I think he, I think he might have lived in either a commune or just a peace and love era of the sixties. He was reflecting on that, and he actually was a writer at the time. I, I don't know if he's still a writer right now, but he was talking about the process of writing and living his experiences in the free love. You know, just that whole era of the sixties of you know civil rights and demonstrations and all that stuff. So that was a very good, good interview. And I remember one thing towards the end. He said. I was asking him some writerly advice, Eric. This is very simple writing advice. He just basically said, well, first of all, you got to live it and then you just got to write it and never talk about it. Don't talk about the writing process, just write. And that's how he approached his work. That's always stayed with me years ago from my interview with him in from Bitter Moon. Have you ever seen Bitter Moon, either Bruce or Eric, directed by Polanski? I was probably one of the few people that saw it in the theater. Yes, I saw it. Oh, yes, yes. I believe Peter Coyote, I think he wore some kind of animal mask in that film. But interesting movie. It's it's Polanski. So do you remember liking it or, or being mid on that? Or what? do you have any kind of recollection about that? I remember it being kind of overheated nonsense, but it was, it was like you said, it's later era Polanski. It was fine. Yeah. Overheated nonsense. That's something that people use to describe me. I actually ended up – I remember liking Bitter Moon, but actually – Echoing the same sentiments regarding overheated nonsense regarding Bitter Moon. So we'd love to hear what you guys think of this. It is a three-star banger from Bruce. Eric already, I think Eric has seen this a bunch of times. Maybe you did a rewatch this week. Eric, your thoughts on it? I didn't rewatch it this week, but I've, I've seen this movie plenty. I think one of the things, because I, I remember watching it as a kid and I really liked it. And then I hadn't seen it forever. And, and there was a time where this movie was really tough to come by. And then it finally came out on whatever DVD it came out. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, mine, and grabbed it. And I watched it again. And I was actually kind of taken with, it seemed ahead of its time in the story that it's telling. Because she gets sexually assaulted in uh, when trying to, but she gets uh, sexually assaulted when she's trying to, you know, do right by her brother and just try to smooth everything out. And then the, the dad's like, yeah, he's not quite raping her right there, but they were, uh, they were alone. It definitely would have gotten there. And then they leave and they're gaslit into thinking they're the bad guys. The news only listens to him. And so this is this. I mean, this movie is basically a 1985 version of the Me Too movement. Hey, I was sexually assaulted. Yeah, but he's the he's the older guy and he's the guy we're going to listen to. And you're just a dumb kid and we're going to take you. And, you know, so the, I think there's a lot of parallels that sadly still kind of ring true today and oh and 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 that's not that's not something that i thought would be a thing but it kind of is um and uh, to bruce's point though it's like an 80s cheese version of that (laughs) yes but can i help on there's one other aspect of that that you that it it reminded me of it when you were mentioning that that i thought was really interesting too is that they have the whole idea when they become celebrities the asshole who tried to assault her and is sent her on the run basically is profiteering off of her celebrity too. Yep. And that I thought was really interesting and yeah. actually really cool aspect of this movie too. Cause I mean, it showed like, it, not only was he a slime, but he's like a triple slime, you know, <laughs> like he gets extra status for that. But I think this movie has enough cheese in it. that I, I think three star banger, like this is, I'm glad Bruce gave this a three star banger. Cause this is kind of exactly what a three star banger was invented. For. Yes. Right. Um, but also I think if you watch it, knowing what the world's like today, as far as like, uh, you know, sexual abuse goes, this movie gets a little deeper than you might 
think going in. Actually, someone that when uh, uh, Bruce was watching Gleaming the Cube, you think you're going in for a cheesy 80s movie. And it is a cheesy 80s movie, but... You know, it, it's, it, it goes a little deeper than that sometimes. Well, because so many 80s movies will have that aspect of some version of that assaulting behavior, but it's just brushed off as like, well, boys will be yeah. boys. But this movie, that's the crux of the conflict, Yeah, which I think is what you're getting at. And that that is actually surprising and refreshing for a movie of that era. Even though, like you said, the packaging itself is is very cheesy, but, you know, and which was what makes it fun. Like, uh, obviously, it's not a heavy movie, even though it, it has its moments. But uh, it's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Wanted to know, you guys, regarding Eric, The Legend of Billie Jean, you've seen it countless times over the years. Is it also just a very entertaining film, just like how Bruce was saying. Is that why you, you keep on watching that movie for time and time yeah, again? Is, I mean, it's, it's definitely uh nostalgic for me, but I like the music in it. And I, I love Christian Slater. I love Helen Slater. I, you know, I love Yearly Smith too. You don't get to see her in much. And whenever she pops up, I, I, you know, she always uh, puts a smile on my face. Just this is just one of those comfort movies for me. It, it's it's silly, but it's also poignant sometimes, and it's it's got like a a perfect marriage of just everything I love in movies. Speaking of loving movies, I forgot to these. This is a couple of things I forgot to mention in our intro. That's why I I was saying, did I forget something? There's a couple of things. I, there's one big thing I forgot. I need to do this. I need to help with the whole regarding TFE. I, I need to do a little Mitch Burns and everything too because I we need to get some feedback or comments regarding Find Your Film, regarding recommendations. I posted this on our Cinematics Facebook group today with some films for us to watch down the road. My friend, my colleague, Debbie Lynn Elias, writes over on Facebook, on our Facebook group, Greg, you need to see Sewer Gators. It's so dumb, it's good. It is a low-budget, no-budget, micro-budget champ. How can you pass up a film where all of the alligators in the film are rubber and plastic from the dollar store? Eric and Bruce, does that look like a movie you would you would stomach, you would be okay with? Sounds like it's almost as good as Slithis. Yeah, it says, she says here, alligators <laughs> coming up on, on a toilet drain and chomping on someone's ass first. And nope. First, LOL. I'm out. <laughs> You're out. I don't need that kind of nightmare in my life. <laughs> Bruce, uh, do you not? add me until uh, crawling up the toilet bite. Yeah. Okay, so that is Sewer Gators. That is a no from Eric. What do you think, Bruce, to Sewer Gators? I might do Sewer Gators. I have to do some research. So, yeah, that, that sounds good. Sure. That sounds interesting. But no, no, the chomping ass thing with alligators is a big N-O from Eric Holmes. I'll, 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 I'll take the bullet. The rest sounds good. I'll, I'll, okay. just, I'll just cover my eyes during that part. Debbie also mentioned she she suggests we watch this documentary called Echoes of the Empire Beyond Genghis Khan, a, a fascinating documentary. Some beautiful cinematography, a perfect meld with pen and ink, watercolor animation of history. Really interesting stuff. So anyway, so yeah, that uh, Sewer Gators, Echoes of the Empire Beyond Genghis Khan. Thank you, Debbie Lynn Elias. I don't know if you guys knew this. Before I did cinematics, for about a year and a half, I did this podcast with Debbie called behind the lens and she's still doing it as we speak and she's a very knowledgeable cinephile and journalist and she helped teach me pretty much everything i know about podcasting so you the know behind the lens you, yeah behind the lens with debbie lynn elias she's very good she's I'm a very to that right now oh very very cool all right i'll tell her and speaking of, i'm going to tie this in to eric very very soon and you're going to be surprised how i tie it in finally as far as recommendations our buddy Mitch Burns over at uh, he's he's one of the the crew over at the Film Vault and he also has I believe his own Facebook page I believe it's called the Hollywood Persona. 
Anyways, he says, quote, couple older movies, not from this year, I watched recently that surprised me were, want to hear Bruce and Eric think about this, were Willard, I See You, Dog Soldiers, Prayers for Bobby, I've never heard of Prayers for Bobby, Reanimator, which of course, The Hidden and The Faculty. You have probably seen, oh, I don't know what he said, you, you guys have probably seen everything. And then finally, uh, any any thoughts on any of these movies? Willard, I see you. Dog Soldiers, Praise for Bobby, Reanimator, The Hidden, and The Faculty. Any of these movies that you Oddly guys enough, have? The way you were descri- uh, the d- way you were naming those off, I was like, heard of it, never heard of it, heard of it, never heard of it. So exactly <laughs> half of those I've seen. Half of those I've seen. What about you, Doc? I think Dog Soldiers is the one movie I really want to see. I think that's that good. Yeah, Chris Walken, right? Chris Walken, Tom Berenger, I think. No, no, no it's a uh, it's, uh, oh, it's a werewolf movie. name. Oh, dogs! Uh, oh, I was thinking of dogs. It's the guy who yeah. made uh, Doomsday and Descent. What's his uh, name? Oh, Neil Marshall. Yeah, Neil, Neil Marshall. Marshall. There you go. Yeah, am I, am I not uh, talented? Dog Soldiers huh? is good. Huh? No, dog okay. Soldiers is good. Willard is surprisingly good, but not as good as the Incredible Cheese Fest of Ben, which is a sequel, which you should watch because it has rat puppet shows. The kid from uh, Burnt <laughs> Offerings, Wait, as they, well as the song by Michael Jackson. Are they talking about Willard, the Crispin, Crispin Glover, Glover one? one or I think the, maybe. I'm going to assume no, because that would be the way I would go as the original. Okay. Mm, we'll, we'll have to ask. That, I, I have seen the Crispin Glover one. I haven't seen the original. Was so. it good? Was it good? I, I liked it. Yeah, well, I, the original I, has Ernest Borgnine. That's all I got to say. It has oh, Ernest Borgnine. Crispin um, Glover, very interesting person. Hey, you don't love. get to see Crispin Glover and stuff much anymore, so I might as well check it out. Yeah, Clowny Clown. Inter- Go look up Clowny Clown. Watch Last that. recommendation from Mitch Burns as far as find your film is a film called Jurassic World Dominion. Eric, you've talked to Mitch <laughs> Burns before on a cinematic <laughs> Facebook group. We're going to close this episode, and you know, I'm sure Eric Holmes thought I was going to cut his just very initial reactions or final reactions on Jurassic World Dominion. We're going to kind of halfway end this podcast with your thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion, should people go out into theaters and spend their hard-earned money on this escapade? No, but it's in focus. So, Bruce, what's in the box? <laughs> that, hey, you know what, Bruce? I told Eric to go quick. He went. He went like literally like the Flash. Okay. Anyway, so um, what's in the box? My 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 biggest my biggest yeah. pain in the ass with the, the Jurassic World yeah. is there's that five minutes, and you can find right. it on YouTube. Uh-huh. And that first five minutes is what got me interested in the movie. It's like, oh, that's really cool. I might actually, even if I hate the rest of the movie, at least I like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even in the movie. Oh my god! It was advertised as the first five minutes of the movie, and it's not in the movie. But uh, yeah, they got there's there's that first five minutes, and then there's like Battle of Big Rock. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Watch those. The, the, those are both directed by Colin Trevorrow. They're both good. And the, I mean, fuck that got. That new movie is fucking long. Speaking of Colin Trevorrow, we're going to, there's going to be a lot more Colin Trevorrow in the Find Your Film universe after we're done with this episode. We're going to do a very quick mini spoiler regarding a movie he did. I think it's – I don't know. I think Bruce was saying, hey, Greg, you know what? I just saw the cinematic magnum opus of Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow is called The Book of Henry. I loved it so much. How much did you love it, Bruce? He goes, well, I've seen it twice, and I think I'm going <laughs> to RR it. I'm going to see it a third time just for that. Like, what? Dude, stop it, Bruce. But we're going to talk about The Book of Henry. Also, we're going to do a quick cha-cha-cha, real smooth spoiler. Not, not, not like a long one. We're just, I'm going to ask Bruce and Eric a question about the ending of the movie, and I want to see what, what they think. And before, uh, before we get to the box, Eric, you, you have something. Yeah, one, one, last, one last thing about Jurassic World 3. We did uh, Find Your Kids uh, yes. with uh, yes, Man and Anton. Yeah. And uh Brandon was gonna do one for Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Three. 
And he changed his mind after watching the movie. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. In fairness, in he, fairness. He went to the bathroom three times during the movie and just it was like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Even, and he loves Owen Grady in blue. Like those are his favorite and like it didn't even work for him. And I didn't influence him, you know, because we, we, we watch those stupid kids movies all the time. It's like, that was good, right? And it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in all fairness, Mitch Burns, that was his final recommendation. Jurassic World Dominion. He's our, he is a self-professed fan of yeah. the franchise. He's just an unabashed lover well, of I'm, all I'm, things Jurassic. I'm happy that he loved it. Yes, happy that, that someone Burns. should. Someone should definitely. But tell us what you guys think of Jurassic World Dominion. And yeah, I don't know if I'll, I'll probably watch it when it hits streaming. Finally, what's in the bleeping box, Bruce Berkey? Well, in the box this week is the movie called Eye of the Cat directed by David Lowell Rich from 1969. And you know who suggested I watch that movie? You? Yourself? What? No. Maddie oh. Doe. Sweet. Maddie Doe. Maddie yes. Doe. Maddie Doe. We love Maddie Doe. I think I'm sure Eric Holmes will join up with the Eye of the Cat recommendation. Oh, I've seen that with uh, Drew Barrymore in the... Uh... I don't think that's the one. James Woods is in it, and he's but, trying to yeah. quit smoking. Oh, that's a good one. Cat, but folks... That's a great recommendation from Eric Holmes. Ooh, came out in 1969. Booyah. Booyah. That's yeah. right. Cats, uh, we're not, I was going to say we're going to see Cat's Eye next week, but for what's in the box, it'll be Eye of the Cat. Suggestion from Matty Doe, the filmmaker Bruce behind what film? Uh, oh, several films, but The Long Walk and The Long, <laughs> the long Zip. The Long Zip. <laughs> I still have to, oh, the, the, I still have to mention that. I still have to upload the final two episodes. I, I have so much content with Maddie Doe. That, my bad with, with you, Eric, and Maddie Doe. And, and, uh, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, look, look. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. I'm going to cut this. The Hollywood persona, Mitch Burns, was just complimenting our ep- our Find Your Film podcast. You know, it's nice to get compliments, right? You know, we, Eric, what, what do you love the most about our show? You guys. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was genuine. How about you, Bruce? What's the most thing? What's the other thing you love about Find Your Film the most? You know, I would say the merch if I could get it, but I can't get it. So I guess you guys. <laughs> oh, thanks. I would. <laughs> That's I, right. <laughs> my my, fa- my favorite thing about Find Your Film is I don't have to talk to Anderson Cowan. Oh yeah. Boom. I was gonna put a drum fill here. That's that was. You see, Eric Holmes, no, Eric Holmes is not laughing because he loves Anderson so much. He can't laugh at my little joke on Anderson Cowan. We love you, Anderson, a connector of all things podcast. Final thoughts before we get, before we get to our spoiler stuff. Hopefully you guys listen to that very soon as well. Final thoughts from Bruce Perky. Final thoughts are if you haven't seen Dinner in America yet, you should still be going to see Dinner in America. And you should probably also fo- follow, was it Kyle Gallner and Emily Skaggs? And you follow them on various media. If this comes out quickly enough, it may not. But if it does, on Thursday the 16th, they are both planning on doing a live Q&A sort of thingy on... Ooh, what are they going to do it on? I think they're going to do it on Instagram. So if you get into their social medias, you might be able to get involved in that. Very, very cool. And I apologize. I'm going to torp- torpedo your final comment, Bruce, because right, Mitch Burns just posted this on the Hollywood Persona because this actually makes me, my heart filled with joy. And you know why? What's my favorite movie this year, guys? Do you, do you know what it is? Come on. Petite Maman. 
Yes, I completely yes. cried on the podcast for this. But he said, on every level, this is a small, little, unassuming movie. But on every other level, it is one of the best movies that deals with loss in a fantastical, whimsy way. Whimsical way. If you've lost someone, especially a parent, this will affect you, yet not devastate you. It's a short movie. I would have easily sat and watched another hour, but it just makes it a big candidate for a rewatch. Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, rewatchability factor regarding Petite Maman. It, would you guys watch this movie again? And is it something that will affect you, but not devastate you? I don't know about the rewatchability of it. I, I mean, it would certainly help because after watching it the once you go back and then you start picking up on stuff, but hmm. yeah, I, I, Interesting. I don't know. I, I did watch it. I did watch it uh, at least the first half again, uh, because I wanted to pick up on this parts that I was just turned off on, but yeah, I, cool. I, I, this doesn't feel like a like a Happy Gilmore that you'll watch over and over and over again. Yeah. It, it seems like a movie you watch once and it sticks with you, and you don't really need to go back to it because it just doesn't leave. Fair, fair. Bruce, what about you? I feel like it's a it's a rewatch every five or ten years. I feel like this is a movie you watch, and when time passes, it'll hit you again, but maybe hit you a little differently. Like it could hit you as a child, it could hit you as a parent. It could hit you as a grandparent. I, I think I think this is that kind of movie. Okay, very cool. Petite Maman is available right now on digital. This was probably our longest episode ever. We covered, we ran the gamut. We will see you very, very soon. We're going to co- we're, co- we're covering a couple of spoilers as we speak. Thank you guys so much for supporting me, Eric Holmes, and Bruce Perky on this here. Find your film, Bruce. You really do have the final say. Say a couple of things before we go. <laughs> I said my final say. All I'm going to say is thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we love you, and I love my co-hosts. Bye.